friends, we're starting a, a brand new season. Our uh, this is our 100th episode of this show. Syndication, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's not even including Patreon episodes. That's it's, just it's timely considering like it's about starting a new chapter, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And exactly. We, and you know what? It doesn't happen a lot, but we're. I feel like. Well, I guess we'll get to it. I'm pretty confident this may be a Midnight Boys approved movie for number 100. Oh. I I believe so. Yeah. So that's it was fun. when it first came out because I remember talking to you guys about yeah, it. Did yeah. We, I don't, we may have even seen it together. I don't remember. Um, yeah. So so that's fun. It's our uh, we're starting. We'll get into it uh, in a minute, but we'll get uh, our 18th season, which is a lot. So sometimes I feel like I wonder if we provide enough content for people, but then I think about this and I'm like that's a lot of episodes and a lot of seasons. Man, we're, our eight our 18th season uh you know, uh we're barely we're legal. Le- barely legal like <laughs> like Paul Giamatti would would enjoy. Yes, yes. So uh yeah, what? well let Oh yeah, that's right, the magazine. The magazine. <laughs> yeah. He's legal. Uh well, let's uh let's jump into sideways. Listeners, welcome to an episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, and joined as always by my uh, my wine-loving friends Joe and Duff. I just had a sip myself. So, so you're you're starting this episode off on a lie because I'm like Dracula. I don't drink wine. You don't drink wine at all, right? You don't like red or white. Uh, what about rosé? Well, so I I like so I will say I like white wine. But okay. of all of all the types of alcohol, wine is the quickest to headaches and acid reflux. So on brand for our middle age. I was going to say right on for midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I guess yeah, we might as well just get into it, right? That's yeah. What this season's about. Uh, we're looking as we all as our bodies deteriorate, mm-hmm. and as we you know look down the hill instead of up it. Um, we're, we're talking about movies about midlife crises. <laughs> Awesome, huh? Yeah, thanks, Joe. <laughs> I mean, Can't I, wait. I mean, I hope it's midlife. Well, like you never unlike, know. At least, unlike Rob's ideas, my my idea can be explained in one sentence. True. <laughs> True. Not True. a dig, just different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Midlife crisis movies. Um, that way, we can remember it with our middle aged brains. <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna talk about sideways right away. Let's. Um, I mean, this movie. I kind of forgot how big of a deal this movie was from like a critical standpoint like all the oscar nominations it got um pretty remarkable for a movie that i kind of feel like if you weren't if you didn't watch it when it like if you weren't around when it came out doesn't really have as much staying power as i feel like it should maybe i'm wrong but uh, i mean it got nominated for best picture best director best supporting actor best supporting actress best screenplay we, so we're it kind it, of in like it represented that early 2000s and late 90s like sort of indie film I, although i would assume this was like a a studio's boutique label so i doubt right. it's truly independent but but, but that was we still were, a good era though when those studio you know oh, yeah, like fox yeah. searchlight so, and stuff distributed that stuff no no doubt and and i think that weirdly i think every era like every generation of directors has one that kind of like slips through the cracks and whenever you watch one of your movie one of their movies you're like man that that (laughs) this movie is awesome why why don't people talk about this guy more often and i think that happened to alexander payne 
we'll talk more about yeah. him later. I think he's kind of like almost maybe in a way he reminds me the way people remember or don't remember him. It's almost kind of like the way people sort of don't remember Hal Ashby in the I 70s. I was going to say that's good. Yeah, I think yeah. I see that. I was actually thinking that when you were like about to say a name. Uh, I think that's a great comparison. I, I like. Um, I probably enjoy Alexander Payne more, but I think there's definitely parallels between those two. Oh guys. yeah, I like Alexander Payne more too, but I like them both a lot. And I just think they make these like they're not flashy, like technically. But anyways, no. we'll, we're going to talk more about Alexander Payne la- later. But so you're to right kind, that to kind of was a, a big deal when it came out. Yeah, yeah. It, and it was a a pretty decent for what it was in this boutique studio. It was a pretty big success, both critically and commercially. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, yeah, I feel like uh, it doesn't really get talked about a ton, and I think that's also that's true of most of Alexander Payne's movies now. And some of it, I think, is you know to kind of go back to riffing on like how you can explain the season really easily like his movies aren't high concept like they're very character based and he you know he's not a very he's not a Wes Anderson or a Quentin Tarantino you know both in style and in his personality so it's you know I feel like that might be to his detriment in terms of exposure yeah I I have a lot to say about Alexander Payne and I think I'm going to save yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about the movie first, and then because I, I think this movie is fascinating to talk about in in the context of his catalog, because I think he really, in different ways, each time dips his toes into the same types of dudes. Right. Um, yeah. Much. Yeah. So, so I want to. I guess I'll talk a little bit about what you know why I picked this one. I, I think every week we're gonna at least I'm gonna try. We're gonna pick a movie that looks at confronting middle age from from a different point of view whether that's um sort of a different demographic background or different personality type and but we had to start with sideways first of all because i i it's a can be a depressing thing to think about but i think this movie is so funny that i thought it'd be a, a good way to start yeah um so rob tell us what it's about yeah so we uh we're kind of following two characters we have miles played by paul giamatti who is uh the wine guy who's uh, recently divorced, but when I say recently, it's been two years. Uh, he is... It may as well have been yesterday, though. Right. Yeah. He's <laughs> going through it. He's um, wall- He's wallowing. Yeah. He's depressed. He's... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> my, my watch responding to me asking about depression. Uh, <laughs> the uh, He's depressed. It's just... The, you spent... Uh, this weekend, you spent 23 hours in bed. <laughs> Your watch is uh, tracking. <laughs> uh, he uh, he's depressed, but his uh, his friend is getting married, and he's the best man. And his friend is played by Thomas Hayden Church, and that is Jack. Jack is getting married, and Jack is a, a somewhat successful, small named actor. He's getting married, and they're going to go to wine country, and they're going to have a trip together, a dude trip, one week together. The fellas. The fellas. And, and uh, I love the the idea of like grim men's evenings, and <laughs> for the most part, these become very grim. Well, it doesn't help things when they they book the most depressing hotel room you can have for for this week. Well, there is something I did think about that you know, um, both with like how cell phones are used, but also like pre Airbnb, where I'm like yeah, they just got to hang out in this hotel room for seven days at night. Um, but yeah, so they they go on this trip, and essentially. 
a lot happens during the seven days. And Shenanigans. I don't, know, I don't know how far we got to go into, but the big thing is Miles is trying to get published for this book, and it's not happening, so that's failing. He feels terrible. He uh, just wants to hang out with Jack. Jack just wants to, as he says, get his nut off. He just <laughs> wants to meet women and have sex with them, and because he's confident and charming, he can do that. But the problem is he's got Miles and his – yourself with them all the time i mean the other problem is he's getting married (laughs) i I love how they're they're going away for a week um they leave on a saturday he's getting married the following saturday yeah and they're getting back the day before the wedding yeah like i don't even mean that in a like I, i think we're meant to think that that's weird because these are two of the most selfish guys on the planet (laughs) <laughs> so like they they absolutely would be the types of guys that when the wedding planning is at its most stressful there's like well we're gonna go right yeah take care getting out of here and and, and, as- and and miles is the best man so he can't even he doesn't even have the excuse of oh he's just a guest he is involved with the wedding so right. they are they are both just oh see you honey we're going to napa valley <laughs> And I think so, to to I think it's important to also mention as part of the summary where the the foundation the beginning of their friendship they were freshman year roommates at San Diego State that's how they yeah. met each other so basically like the same as me and Rob and right. I yeah, met each other you yep. guys and and yep. I and now they are I don't know well, how old do you think they're meant like late thirties at the youngest probably right. early forties so I was shocked to see Paul Giamatti in this movie like I said his, his the actor obviously he can be meant he's younger than us. Yeah, I I looked up these ages and was uh, confidently shook by Me what too. I found out. Thomas Stunned. Hayden Church looks legit like mid forties in this movie. He is okay. He, he's, so he's Thomas like seven years older. He than is Paul forty. I, I the of the four principals, Thomas Hayden Church is forty four, and he he is weathered. Like he he needs to use more lotion or be in the sun less. He's forty four. He's doing fine for forty four. Uh, yeah. I'll okay. take that. All right. So Giamatti is as we've said thirty seven, but has. You know, came out right. of the whoop looking that way. I, I guess what Duff is saying is by, like, Hollywood standards, he doesn't look great for 44, but by, like, Planet Earth standards, exactly. he yeah, looks yeah. pretty good. Um, yeah. Virginia Madsen is 43. Um, and this, I didn't guess this one. Uh, Sandra Oh is 33. She's the youngest of the, the yeah. four core. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they go on this trip. A couple things happen. Um Boy, let's start with Miles. Miles finds out that his uh, ex-wife is now dating someone, and they're going to bring him to the wedding. Um, Doesn't and his book's not published. He does eventually, finally, after screwing it up many a time, does meet up with Maya, played by Virginia Matson, wonderful Virginia Matson, yeah. in my opinion, and um, does end up having a night with her in a connection, and wonderful. It's uh, actually very sweet. I agree. Uh, Meanwhile, <laughs> Jack is with Stephanie O. Stephanie falls madly in love with her after like a day. Is like within days is like taking her kid places to the arcade, <laughs> telling her he loves her. Yeah, uh, thinking about moving out of L.A. up to yep. I think they're they're <laughs> Santa Barbara County, right? They're not yeah. all the way up in Napa. They're no, in Santa they're Barbara not. County. They're in like and- central. California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're in, I said Napa, but yeah, wine country. And, and um, we're going to come back to this, but this is very much like a middle midlife crisis type of guy move. He's going to um, cancel his wedding. <laughs> um, he's going to use his money to buy a vineyard. 
Uh-huh. He's going to handle the business end, and Miles is going to be the winemaker. Yep. And he's going to start a relationship with this person that he's known for four days. Yep. He's already become Uncle Jack to her, <laughs> to her son. He's at the uh, da- daughter, right? Daughter. He's at Our the level daughter, where, yeah, yeah. where he's helping her out with arcade games and, and things. I mean, it is... They're, they're having a family bowling night with her chain-smoking mom. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's... if it wasn't happening so fast, it is all very sweet, I will say. It just is well, day it's, But you just know, but as an audience yeah. member, you know. Like, right. It's all, it's not real. It's, uh, not, it's not real for him. He thinks right. it's real because he's delusional. Right. And then uh, she finds out that he's getting married and beats him up with her motorcycle helmet. Um, and then, and then, one of... The all-time funniest things I've ever witnessed in a movie theater happens in this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. Um, he, all of a sudden, many nights where old Paul Giamatti Miles is at home in the in the uh, airport. airport in the, the in saddest the motel, motel room. By himself. All of a sudden, the door opens up. Thomas Hayden Church is totally naked, holding <laughs> his junk. Finds out. Yeah, he had been. He had left Miles to go home with a waitress they met at a restaurant straight out of Wisconsin Dells, who he called the Grateful Type. Yeah, and two she tons looks like of two fun. tons of fun. Two tons of fun. You know the Grateful Type. I Jesus. laughed so I every time. It's it's it obviously very mean. Oh but yeah, but it's it's a it. Like it I is exactly my wife what a dude watching like, it. Yeah, it is like, exactly what a dude like him would say. Absolutely. A womanizer, like only a womanizer, would have enough experience to to be offensive in that precise of a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah, right in the in the exact way, right? How just the words, everything is like it's you're kind of complimenting it, but you're absolutely not. Um, and this so is then, like five hours after he's been dumped by this woman who he's going to throw away his fiance for. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, he comes in and he's like, I left my wallet. It's got the, it's got the, the, um, custom, it's like Armenian custom made rings. Now when he's one thing I've never quite figured out when Thomas Hayden church, when Jack is like sitting there being like, I can't, I'll, I can't lose her. I can't, I can't live without Victoria. Is he serious or is he just putting the performance on so that miles does it for him? I think it's open ended, which is I think is great. Um, yeah. I I kind of view it. I I think he is at rock bottom and realizes it, and he realizes like she's the only good part of his life, and I think he does realize it. But he's such a effing himbo that ten minutes later he forgets. Like he okay. he he has like one brief moment of clarity, but then he his his default mode of just being just an idiot playboy comes back right uh so then so then he asks miles to go into this house that he left the wallet in and miles sneaks into this home this house man and <laughs> elite male friendship here yes yeah, sneaks into the house he's like in the hallway crouched down and um the grateful type and this house husband. Ha- this house has like car bumpers on the lawn and there's just trash and dishes everywhere i mean we'll get to this on alexander Payne. this is what i love about alexander Payne. i've been in houses like that i love that alexander Payne understands that world exists and 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 puts it in his movies in a way that's yeah. lived in and real yeah um, yeah i've been in a lot of those yeah yeah um, me too because and yeah this is something that uh my wife and i notice a lot is that in most 
television or tv shows whenever there's a small town they make it look like the small town from a brochure and that yeah. every like all the paint is kept up and you know it lo- everything is like antique and cozy and and spotless bo- and spotless, spotless. Yeah. uh but like yeah alexander Payne in this in this movie it's yeah there, there's crummy motels and just you know family friendly subpar restaurants and nothing just, feels like a set ever no no um so he he's in the hallway they're having sex which is hilarious because he just apparently like oh you took him home and and effed him didn't you yeah so yeah like like he was that's clearly like a cock thing yep. yeah yep like after and, he after he chased tom and hayden church out of his house he realized how turned on he was and i mean i would assume it was planned yeah i think so too yeah, yeah. Uh, and then and that guy playing him is um like one of those character actors who always plays like the heavy wasn't he in justified i don't know but he is a swamp thing from con air the pilot oh yes wow okay uh mc gainey says i believe that's his name oh I yeah he, he's been in a lot of stuff um i thought he was in justified but now i'm down if he if he wasn't in uh what's that motorcycle show uh oh shoot. sons of anarchy yeah if he wasn't on that that was a missed opportunity so so Paul Giamatti is is hunkered down and this is so beautiful in this movie. Ugh. He runs to like grab the wallet and you hear the guy react. <laughs> and then we cut we we cut to Jack just sitting in the car not even paying attention. Like Jack is just like daydreaming. He's a bad getaway with, driver. With American gun laws literally risking his life. Yeah. Yeah. Just He's there. not even he sh- he should be in the driver's seat ready to go. Right. And all of a sudden, we see Paul Giamatti, soundless, run out. <laughs> and then the door busts open, and this totally naked man, penis flapping in the wind, chasing just him his down. Little, his little tiny hog just jiggling. <laughs> ah, it's so funny. And he gets to the car just in time, and the door shuts, and he just goes right up against the window. Oh, my God. I, You're right, Joe. For a movie that can be depressing at times, it is so funny. That and just That's cinema the Pure only, cinema right there when paul giamatti is looking for uh thomas hayden church's wallet and he sees them his facial it's one of my favorite things in movies. <laughs> oh when he it's, looks back and forth between the wallet and those two in bed yeah, when he's just like, in rat he, mode on the ground he, he it's just again just such a great performance it it seems like it seems like he's being operated by Frank Oz and Jim Henson. Like yeah. it is just Giamatti in this movie has many scenes that I, I think are just remarkably he's, great. He's he, one he, of the one of our greatest actors. He he like Alexander Payne basically told you are the world's biggest loser, and this is the most exciting, thrilling moment of your life. Yeah, and that's you, how he plays you, that scene. You finally feel alive after your <laughs> divorce. I mean, everything in the movie, though. I mean, there's so many little moments. Um, when the car crash, too, is when so funny. The car crash. Giamatti oh, yeah. He... So, the, so the lie, Sandra Oh beats up Thomas Hayden Church <laughs> when she finds out that he's getting married. So he he wants to lie and say he broke his nose in a car accident. So without telling Miles, <laughs> he on their way home, he just drives off the road into a tree. And it is so funny. The way they, the, everything about it, pure cinema. It, it is because they have to do it twice. Yeah, because um, he's like, hmm, that doesn't, that doesn't look like it would hurt anyone. So, so that's that's when at the end, um, he does go back to see um, 
to, to go see Amaya and ends up knocking on her door. Very sweet. I'm so rooting for Miles and Maya. <laughs> like, uh, go. I hope it works out. Yeah. Um, Paul Giamatti, though, in this movie, there are many times. There's a scene, just, like, little moments, the like ones you guys talked about. Also, like, when he first finds out that his ex-wife is... Um... <laughs> I, it's it's it, equally funny and sweet and, and tragic and loathsome. It's, right. It is the full... It is the full range of of acting, really. I mean, when when he's when he finds out his ex wife is coming to the wedding and he like loses it and grabs the wine bottle and starts running down the hill trying to drink it, being <laughs> chased by Jack, and then also like all the stuff with Maya, like um, the Do- scene. And where... does doesn't he grab the like spittle thing? He does. He grabs yeah, a different like, thing and pours that. Thing. And that is something that I don't think I realized. That's when he finds before. out. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry, Duff. I, that to be clear, that's when he finds out his book isn't getting published. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, what were sorry. you saying? I'm sorry. Uh, oh. uh so I was just saying that the fact that he grabs the thing where like you pour out the rest of your wine and just or, or spit into it. It's, yeah. It, oh, it just makes it so much sadder, but also funnier. He and then like from the sweet end and tragic end is like when he's with Maya and uh, she puts his her hand on his hand and he totally ruins a moment and then he goes back to the bathroom and tries to regroup and then has like that moment where he like sits outside the, the the door trying to get the courage to go up and then like awkwardly kiss her and it just goes terrible and oh oh i just uh poor poor miles what a loser yeah they, they're losers both of them miles yeah. and jack but, but you i know still what? like them we kind of are too yeah that's right i I mean, they are both losers, but I will say, uh, Jack is, Jack is a bad influence. Well, um, I mean, that's watching it this time. That's what I take away is that they're, they're, they're codependent, right? Yeah. Cause that, Miles, that's a good Miles, point. Needs, Miles needs somebody that will like excuse his drinking and will like, for he want, wants Jack because it forces him to do things and go places and do stuff, right? Right? Yeah. And like, they, I, I think it's a codependent relationship. That is a good point. Uh, and I, I do think that basically at this road trip, we see both of these guys just stripped to their id. And I right. think, uh, I, I think we we talked before about when uh, Jack is just totally nude and has lost his wedding rings. But I think the other part is the. Uh, Miles equivalent is just when he goes to the convenience store and picks up a barely legal and like what else does he get? It's like Cheetos or something. The like great that. moment when he's like, not that one, the new one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's when, a- yeah. When when you can can know, it's like, no, nah, I've seen. I re- I looked at that one already. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. just goes back to his, this cruddy motel to look at this porno mag. Yeah, that. But, but another moment, another moment. That's another moment of a very believable failure because he like falls asleep while he's looking at it, and he wakes up, and he actually mm-hmm. like has this moment of courage where he's yep. like, "All right, I'm going to put myself together. I'm going to go over to the restaurant where Maya works, and I'm going to talk to her. And Jack's not here; it's just going to be me." And then he yep. gets there, and she's not working that night, and then and he, he just drinks wrecked. himself into absolute oblivion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also yeah. appreciate uh, in this movie, along with realistic. Uh, kind of small town settings is realistic drunkenness just the stumbling yeah. and that you know the the mentality of like oh if i just play it 
one more step they won't know i'm drunk and you're yeah. just absolutely plastered and or at the dinner like the, the glassy stare like yeah. he's not at dinner it's not like he's like acting out in like an insane drunken way it's just he's so hammered and, and he's and, just glassy-eyed looking around and like jack is trying to like stop him from like coolly trying to stop him from drinking more wine and he pushes his wine glass away at one point yeah mm-hmm. and i i appreciate that as well because that is i think you know, unless it's some big party or something, that's the more common drunkenness is it's just this kind of like sad, slow burn. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I love this movie when it came out and rewatching it. I also really, really, really enjoyed it all around. I just thought it was uh, a great movie and it does seem like, it does seem like a movie where you know, we kind of talked about the beginning isn't really, talked about it or like beloved by newer audiences which i think is a real shame yeah I, I think what really makes this movie great is that you can watch it at different stages in your of your life and you read it different ways but love it equally each time yeah like when we saw it in our early 20s um it was just very very funny i mean like the stuff that they do is hilarious and then you kind of watch it again around 30 and you're just like i i remember being a lot more judgmental about them and just being like, oh, these are like two of the most awful guys in the world. Sure. And it's like, oh, it's kind of like brave to make a movie about such loathsome characters. And then watching it again in my 40s, it's like, oh, now I have a much, I have a lot more empathy for these two characters because I I understand them. Like, understanding isn't the same as excusing, right? Right. I, I understand it. Because they it, they come from very universal sources of pain, I think, and fear. Actually, I think fear maybe more than pain. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I guess I, I think may- especially Miles is a deeply layered and deeply complex character. I think Jack is there a little more for comic effect, but I think that's necessary because this movie could have been depressing all the way through if we didn't have you know Thomas Hayden Church in it. Right. Right, it's leaving Las Vegas at a certain point. If it's just if it's, it's if it's just, just Miles Giamatti. getting the most getting the most current barely legal for an hour and a half. That's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, gosh, and and the more you think about the movie, it's just like the 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 scummy things that they do. We didn't even mention the fact that uh, Miles steals about a grand from his elderly mom on the. I know way it up. makes yeah. it even sadder. Is immediately she's like, "Do you need any money? Like you didn't have to steal that. You could have just asked her." Yeah. Like, he, she would have given it to him. Yeah, which... That's, like, I think, like, weirdly the saddest part of it all. So, and, and I think that that's... He has his pride, man. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a good segue. I, th- I think what we'll do each week is kind of dig into one or, or two characters. Whoever's going through the crises. In this case, we've got two characters that right. are, are going through it. And, and we, I mean, I think we have to start with Miles because it's probably the more complex character, as Duff just mentioned. And I, I, I think that... I, tr- I would try to st- sum his midlife crisis up as like spiritual death that he, I-, I think there's two things going on in this movie. One is like pretty, maybe not quite all of them, but most, uh, maybe even all of them. Maybe you guys can help me with this. It seems like all the seven deadly sins he has succ- succumbs to over the course of the film, or it's clear <laughs> he exhibits them. Right. Uh, okay. So he's too proud to ask his mom for money. Uh, especially in mm-hmm. front of his friend, mm-hmm. um, he I think he envies Jack, although I don't really think that that's super apparent. I think he envies his uh, his ability to talk to women. 
Sure. And, and Which I, is really just him asking questions. Like when he's with Sandro and he's like, oh, so what do you do when you, when you close up? I just sort of. <laughs> what other what other wines do you like? That like question. Yeah, he just, just, he is the ultimate, Jack's the ultimate guy of like, I just ask them questions. Yeah. Oh, or every time they go to a tasting, I'm like, no, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> just keeping things positive in every interaction. Like, yeah. But and obviously it works. Yeah. And uh, I won't go through all of them, but I, I think that he, uh, like Sloth, you know, the, the opening scene, he sleeps in and he's super late picking up his fat. That's true. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he has a pretty much all of them. And he's at that, that, that kind of like midlife crisis where I think, and this sounds harrowing, but I think for 99% of us, it's something you're just going to have to come to terms with is that he's realizing that he isn't special mm-hmm. and he's going to die and nobody's going to remember him. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he rages against that because he sees himself as an, as an artist, or at least he hopes that he is one, you know, he has a, what a 1500 page novel or something that he's yeah. trying to get published it sounds unbelievably pretentious sounds the day after tomorrow the day before tomorrow the day be- the day after yesterday <laughs> the day after yesterday and you mean yeah, today? Such a great show today <laughs> <laughs> um and and that's what's such a beautiful thing because every time he talks about his book it sounds like the most pretentious drivel on the planet but but um uh, what's uh, for Virginia Maya? Madsen. Maya like ends up leaving him this unbelievably sweet message about how much she she likes the book and and it makes mm-hmm. you as an audience member go oh wow maybe he is like a talented guy and and maybe he is. He, right? I'm sure there are. I'm sure. I'm sure you know like his. If we just think of like his vocabulary he uses you know throughout this movie like I could see he could be a good writer. I'm sure that it probably could use an editor. Yeah, I like. And, I like. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is Stephen King syndrome. Like a cattle to the abattoir or whatever he uses yeah. at one point. Um, I like to imagine that ten years down the road he self published it on Amazon with all those like dinosaur erotica books you can buy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Probably. So so he's he it's just living like like just a very normal life and when you get into your forties you have to just decide like is that good enough for me well and, he and i agree with what you're saying but he also did get divorced and has a pretty sad apartment but so. like okay uh, over half the people that get married get a divorce I, i'm just right? saying you like know? he's I, so, so i'm saying that like, that adds to the the loneliness cocktail yeah there. and i guess right. that's kind of what i mean is that like the that does, i'm not saying that these things like aren't sad and aren't tough to go through they are and that's what makes them compelling in a good good like uh feel to mine from for art right but but it's also something that you have to that that it's very easy to and i think this is what he does in his head is to make yourself think that you're very very special and that your pain is very very unique and that your your suffering is is something that the world should apologize for and and i think that that's a normal thing to like be thinking when you're in the middle of it and i think like the only successful way to get out of sort of his spiritual death type of midlife crisis is to like sort of snap yourself out of it and and realize like you aren't special and that's okay and that seems to be kind of what he needs to hear but maybe maybe i'm wrong i don't know what do you guys uh, I mean, I think that's a, a valid reading of it. Uh, it's, I mean, that's cer- what you said is certainly true, and I do think he's going through that. Uh, one, one knock I'll say 
I'll put on this movie is it does have the like oh teaching is a fallback thing <laughs> where he's just obviously like coasting as a teacher. Yeah. Right. Well, but we do, we don't know for sure that he is coasting as a teacher though. Like there's no evidence that he doesn't work hard at it. Um like I mean he is sitting there like grading papers in a hot in the tub pool. on yeah. vacation like he didn't yeah. have to do that. Right. Um and, That's fair. and there's only one shot of him um in the classroom and it's the classic like hollywood uh like classroom scene for an english teacher all they ever do in english classrooms in hollywood is do you just have the kids read aloud from whatever book you're reading which i don't know that any good teacher ever is really doing that very often but anyways right. whatever i don't know how else you would it, it's not it's not important yeah. that's just kind of i'm seeing that as a problem but no one else does and he does seem to be genuinely like moved by what the kid is reading like his love of literature is is real yeah i just think like maybe what he's dealing with is like is living and dying and quote unquote just being a teacher and you know not having a marriage to someone that he at least at this point after the marriage is convinced was something that he loved and wanted to be in although i think jack pretty convincingly is right like, yeah you're looking back on it with rose-colored glasses absolutely um, and, and i think he clearly like as as and jack's right he finds somebody else that he has a real connection with i just i guess like what miles miles is compelling because he's like sort of looking at death in the face and he desperately i think his crisis is fueled by a desire to be remembered Right, I mean, he special. mentions being what a smudge on a on a, uh, a skyscraper. Of yeah, yeah. That'd, that'd be. I think I never yeah. looked up if it really is a Bukowski quote or not, but it sure sounds like one. Um, and and I, we all almost all of us have to come to terms with that. And you you don't have to think about that when you're 25 because when you're 25, you could still convince yourself that whatever like dream is in your back pocket is going to come true. Right. And when you're you know 42 or whatever, like. Uh, it's probably not gonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And because if mean, it was gonna, you would have made it happen by now, um, or be on the way to it. And that's that's depressing, mm-hmm. but it it's liberating in a way too. I think um, because you, I think a healthy way to deal with what he's dealing with is to just, uh, I guess, find that happiness in the everyday. And to relieve yourself of that pressure to live, man, I almost said to live an exceptional life. But I, I think if you're a good friend and you're a great teacher, uh, obviously I'm talking to myself <laughs> here, but like I don't think that that's not an exceptional life. But when you're on your way up that hill of life, you, you're, I guess you can't help but believe that the only way to be exceptional is to be famous or noteworthy in some way part of it is the um the whole idea of american exceptional exceptionalism which filters down to any you know everyone is uh, like like you said like everyone has potential to do what they want and it's kind of the you know it's this fair it's propaganda actually where they say like oh if you try hard and work hard you can make it happen yeah oh it's like like a he's kind of going through like a biff loman thing here isn't he yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's another way to read it would be he gets divorced two years ago, apparently, and he's a teacher. And what 
often you get told is like you can do whatever you want with your life now. And he decided I'm going to write a book and I'm going to get it published. And then he writes a book and yeah. he can't get it published. So it's like another like, nah, you can't even do that thing. Like yeah. you you had a chance to do whatever you want and you still failed. A, th- a thing that he seemingly loves to do. Yeah, yeah, he's still not good enough. That's hard to like yeah. wrestle with for sure. Um, what about Jack? Um, uh, yeah, Jack... I called him like the Peter Pan slash vampire approach. Um, he just a desire to be forever young, and in his desire to be forever young, he just like attaches himself to women. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is uh, the uh, the you know, if you watch Succession, he is the he's the Tom. He just he marries into what seems like a very wealthy family. Um, yeah, is that that is that her house or is that her parents' house that they're staying at? I think it's her parents' house that they're staying at. Is what it seems like. Yeah, but I mean, they talk about how he is a successful business and it's, you know, it's just so obvious that he is, you know, a failed actor, like at best he does voiceovers for commercials falling now. upward too. Yeah. And yeah, but because he is a confident a ruggedly good-looking guy who you know who is dumb as a rock and has no morals but but he knows he's like oh i got to attach myself to someone who has it together which seems like his wife who we never see it's interesting that we never actually really see her talk beyond the beginning the the end and the the try the cake thing out yeah um yeah but it's just obvious that he has no I mean, it's all theoretical or it's all in his mind. And he's like, oh, I can't lose her. And it's like, he doesn't actually like her. He can't lose the status. But like, he's the, but isn't he the, isn't he also the other end of the Miles thing? Like Joe's point is like, oh, maybe he should just find enjoyment in every part of the day. Well, Jack certainly is. I, I mean, that is, that's a good point. He is, Jack is just, if you have no conscience and just let your, your you know, he he's a hedonist. Um but also, let's not forget, he's just very, very dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, nothing's real. Like, yeah. he, yeah. If, if you shift your focus every day, and he, he, he just, Miles has to stare the death of his dream right in the face. And Jack's approach is just, I'll make a new dream every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it, Joe. I like that. Yeah, that's what Jack does. Well, what am I going to do today? That seems fun. And and you can you can find equal like there, there's reasons to like sort of I don't I have trouble saying praise either of these guys but especially Jack because he's such a <laughs> I, horrible dishonest person yeah I but, I mean I think that Miles is far more sympathetic like they but, but I, I yeah I it, Jack is there are times where I sympathize with Jack but Jack is just we <laughs> I'll put it this way. Uh, and some of us, our Jack is the same, but we all have a Jack in our life and it's, and you can, and you know, this is also a movie about, I think that you get to a certain age, it's like, uh, do I want to have Jack around anymore? He's, is Jack good? Like Jack's fun and there's a lot of history with Jack, but, and I think that that is also something that this movie, I don't think it intends to, but it very subtly, you know point kind of points at like what do these two have in common anymore 
Yeah, when they mentioned that, yeah. But I think by the end, I like buy this friendship quite a bit still. Oh, I I buy it in that I think, you know, they're not faking it. And maybe some of it is just they can be their ultimate loser selves around each other. They don't they don't yeah. have to hide it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I, I don't know. I, I you are you, you're not wrong. Like Jack and Miles, they both do terrible things. They are both losers. I even said Miles is such a loser at one point. Um, but I do think there is a they're very human, and it makes me enjoy both. Oh yeah, yeah. yes. I, they are, if not sympathetic, uh, enjoyable is a good yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Um, and I and, and I, especially and I think, Miles, but I think they are sympathetic at different points, which is why this is such a good movie. I think Miles' point too about Jack, you know, when you know when Maya was saying like, oh, you know, Jack was telling Stephanie he loves her and he wants to move up here and all this stuff, and he was like, well, I think he does believe that when he was saying it, and I was like, I do too. He does believe that when he's saying it. Yeah, like he's not like he's it's it's like a weird sort of like lying right he's, like, he's a, not a lying he's not a sociopath no he's he's a puppy dog yes yeah. that's a better way to put it he just that seems he, he at that moment all that he would sign away to do that day if he could and and like that's not an excuse for his behavior like i know probably a lot of people would interpret me calling him a puppy dog but put a puppy dog in a house for three hours and right. it will yeah. wreck things and it'll make you very mad like like yeah puppy dogs are fun and they're cute but they're also very destructive. So I mean right. a puppy dog in that sense. The, these are two dudes, both of which are in bad spots, just left to their worst impulses and desires, and they feed off each other. Yeah, but they sure have fun times sometimes, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do they actually ever have fun together in this they, movie? Yeah, actually, I, well, I don't think that they do. They, in, they I don't have, think oh, together, the two of them. They have fun when they're uh, going to rage against those other golfers. That's really funny. But yeah. even and leading up to that, Jack is just annoying point. Miles the whole time because he won't shut up when he's trying to swing. I guess I was thinking about the part where all four of them have like the nice date, you know, when yeah. they go to the winery and they go off and like Stephanie and Jack are making out and Miles and Meyer are talking and then they go get wine and hang out. Like that's a nice night. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. That's not just the two of them. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. That is part of it. Part of what creates this friendship is they have this past together um the thing is by the end of this trip they're bound forever together yeah it feels like um so all right joe so you have a question here about a look in the mirror yeah we're gonna have to do this every week guys so just christ (laughs) it's fine um i'll start yeah so i guess basically what i'm saying is like in these characters you know we have each movie, you know, if we pick them right, are going to have, like, a different kind of middle age sort of pathology of mental illness on display, right, or psychology. <laughs> right. Uh, do, do you see any of yourself in these? Um, but, Rob, if you want to st- I, I since it was my idea, I was going to put myself under the microscope first. But, Rob, you're, you're more than welcome to start. Well, I will say Miles. Uh, <laughs> so, Miles is I, – I will say there's um, – there's a part in this movie when Miles, uh, before he steals his mom's money, <laughs> um, but he he goes home and he like goes to the um, he goes into his mom's room and she's got like a 
a dresser and he looks like a wedding photo of her his mom and his dad and i'm guessing another photo of his dad we don't really hear anything about his dad assuming his dad passed away we don't well, see him it, but th- then later when maya leaves that message for him she talks about like did that stuff really happen with you and your dad or I, i'm not quoting it right exactly, that's true. But so something she, happened with the dad some some kind of trauma we yeah. don't know we don't know if his death or and she Who even knows? says did he really commit suicide i think is the line that she oh made. yeah at the end she doesn't know if, yeah. yes that's right so um, as someone, you know, patrons who listen already know this, but uh, for the rest of the public, as someone who's currently going through a divorce, I can see myself in Miles at times. Mine's not two years over. Mine happens in a few days after this recording. Um, but like one of the things that I'm realizing and talking to uh, people who know have told me as well as normal is when you go through loss, which divorce is, even regardless of what causes it, it's a loss of your current life, it's the loss of your, uh, you know, the the family you had at the yeah. time, it's a loss of, like, a person you saw all the time, regardless of who's, you know, deciding and if it's mutual or whatever, that is all true. And when you go through great loss, you have all what you think about also is other losses you've had in your life. So that moment where Miles is up there and he's sad about everything already, and then he's, um, you know, seeing photos of his dad, which is a whole other lost thing. Like how that just sort of like stacks and weighs on top. I get that a lot. Uh, so yeah, I like that was definitely a moment in that movie. Where I was like, I feel you, Miles. I feel you, buddy. <laughs> that's it's hard to go through all that. So like, yeah, I think that stuff for me. Uh, I mean, God, I hope two years from now I'm still, you know, not in a mild state. But yeah, right now I can definitely like get how he's feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, like, I guess, yeah, this is the time of life when that kind of thing usually happens. Right. Pretty common. Uh, and and I wonder sometimes, is it because of, like, is it a midlife thing that gets people to ask questions about the relationships they're in right. that spawns it? Or is it just the amount of time that you've been with a person uh like you know the expiration date right it, it doesn't have anything to do with middle age so much it just has to just be been a lot of years, of years. yeah and obviously that's different case to case but it just seems you know i just wonder about that yeah me too uh, i i could definitely see some of myself in both of these characters um which is just, i mean like it's always like it feels like you're walking through a minefield like saying that you can identify with with them because they're both so largely bad <laughs> by like movie movie character standards but in terms of like jack's like impulse to since you talked a lot about miles i guess i'll talk more about jack but i i see probably more of myself in miles too but jack's maybe his his sort of I don't know if optimism is, is is the correct word because that has a positive connotation and I don't mean it that way, but just his um, sort of stubbornness in, um, in, in being young still when he's not mm-hmm. young. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I have, I, I think I have some of that too. I got um, it. And, yeah, and yeah. That, I don't think that the, that manifests like I, I, I'm not um, going around having sex with re- restaurant waitresses. <laughs> Like I'm not doing like the Tiger Woods midlife crisis, right? Um, I, I just think it, it, in the denial manifests itself in like different and fortunately I think like 
significantly less unhealthy ways, but um, still, I, I still think it's something that is a ticking time bomb that has to get grappled with eventually. Like, eventually, I will have to admit that I am old. Like, right. not in, like, that offhanded way that every, like, 40-year-old says, oh, God, I'm so washed right now. Yeah. Like, I don't actually in my heart really believe that I am, and I don't really feel like... It's tough for me because I think there's some healthy aspects to that, too. And just saying, like, uh, yeah, I'm 40 years old, but that doesn't mean that I have Can't to... Can't go do a thing. I have to live my life like it or feel right. like it all the time. But it also... I, I, I guess, actually, if, I guess I'm sort of doing a doing therapy live here uh I, I don't know yet if it is is that this whole season yeah well that's why i thought it'd be fun i don't know if it uh i don't know if it's 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 like in an unhealthy way where it's fueled by denial or if it's in maybe a more healthy end of the spectrum where it, it's fueled by like a determination to continue to live life at its fullest and to not like concede to death's closing grip well, I would say, like, as much as we and everyone talks about how these characters are losers, I also feel like they're very realistic because I feel like too much of life when you grow up and even in movies is like, oh, once you hit 32 or whatever, or, you know, you're an adult and you know how to do adult things and you're an adult and you know what you're doing and you have the, you know, that you know, you know, you know all the things you're supposed to do in life. And I feel like at least if anyone I've talked to, it's been honest, hits like these ages and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue how to do any of the things I'm doing. Yes. And, and, and I'm won- just... Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if, like, like that sort of honest... That honesty with your, oneself, that, like, wow, it is terrifying that I'm 40 years old and I don't really feel like I'm all that much... An adult? An adult, more an adult than I was when I was 25. And not necessarily, like, in the image... Like, you know, in just... In terms of, like, the... <sighs> I guess you kind of assume when you're younger that you're going to turn 40 and then like the remaining years of your life are going to be pretty much laid down like a railroad track. Yeah, it's maintenance. Yeah, it just ma- yeah, that's that's good. That's just good. maintain the train while it moves along on the track. Yeah. That's and, all you got to do. And I that's certainly like I don't feel like that's the case for me and maybe that's where I see something in Jack there. Like I still feel like something could happen. And where my life could take like a 90 degree turn. And like, I find some excitement in that, even though I'm not really doing anything actively to make it happen. But I, whereas I wonder the type of person that you're talking about who, where they feel like very firmly, like, Nope, I'm 40 now. I've got everything all figured out. Maybe they're the ones that like really snap. Also there, those are the people who are constantly telling you how happy they are all the time. Mm. And, they're also the people where it's like, oh, me and my wife never fight. That's weird. Like they're those people, and, yeah, right. I, and they're 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 liars. And if they're not <laughs> lying, they're they're repressing and just deeply in denial. Yes, when and that's and that's how I feel too. I've, I've mentioned this to Joe and Joe and I've done stuff. I'm like, do you think our dads did this when they were forty? Like. Did we just not know, or were they just like, oh, yeah, now well, I do the thing? So <laughs> my viewpoint coming to this in terms of identification is I I don't identify too much with Thomas Hayden Church. Um, uh, I, I, I identify as being a depressive uh, functional alcoholic, sadly. <laughs> uh, 
It's the Midwest. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it's just Midwestern. Um, but, you know, I was kind of surprised to hear you say that, Rob, because, Rob, you have a similar experience as I do in that you, just your upbringing kind of, and I think, and this is a good thing, shows you how things don't have to be a certain path. Like, one way I try to think of things is that uh, my dad was four years older than me when I was born. Um, mm. And, Rob, yours was way, you know, what, 15 years older than you would I be? I didn't like, even know a four-year-old could do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't. <laughs> Wow. That's, uh, no, that's my dad. My dad up. was. No, I, you mean four years older than you are now? Yeah, fifty-eight. Yeah, I, I believe fifty-eight when I was born. Yeah, yeah so that's old as hell. And that's <laughs> <laughs> not being mean. No, just, I no, I mean that. Like, I mean, but I'm, unfortunately, so, I'm, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have reset the yeah. bar, Rob. So it's not weird yep. anymore. They're, that's they're, true. They're normalizing dying when your kid's a toddler. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, they have. They'll be left with plenty of money. That that's is true. Um, but I mean, for me, and I, you know, I feel like Rob, you saw the same thing is like, like I had an old dad and so Rob, you had a really old dad, Yeah. but, but at the same time it shows you, it's like, oh, you don't have to follow this blueprint. Yeah. And it, I do think it, I won't say that it's great all the time because it, makes you stand out and the worst thing in the world when you're like a kid and a teenager is standing out but it does it shows you that you can just make your own way and even if it takes longer to get there you can still get there sure yeah no, i think that's insightful yeah um do you guys want to should we should we swing back to alexander Payne? sure i will say this while alexander Payne. And we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I will continue to say it. The thing that is so refreshing, and it happened immediately, not imme- yeah, immediately actually in, in Miles' apartment. Um, the only house that doesn't fit this is um, Jack's, in his, you know, fiance's parents. Looks like a Hollywood And there's home. a point to that. Right, right, exactly. But everything else you go into, I love how these homes feel lived in. I love how, like... Alexander Payne is one of the handful of directors I've ever seen in Hollywood where I'm like, oh, you grew up in things like this, right? Most of the time I don't feel like the world I live in or the world I certainly grew up in like exists outside of in my brain. And when I see these... I think that him and the Coens are the only people who accurately depict the Midwest and the Plains type area of of the United States currently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No but like, yeah, there's just something so realistic about the Alexander Payne. You know, like when they go to to um, everything about Miles's mom's place, everything, the food she makes, the the all, everything, sleeping just with the TV on, sleeping, with, yeah. sleeping with the TV on. The fact that like, also honestly, the fact that like Jack is like a somewhat, somewhat slightly famous Hollywood actor who is sleeping on a pullout. You know, in a in a you know in the living room or whatever, in his friend's mom's house is like a very realistic thing. That just like that stuff just doesn't exist in movies, and it just fills my heart up to just watch stuff that like I relate to. Like, you know, 
there's middle class and lower middle class that exists in Alexander Payne movies. And we, you know, Joe, you mentioned earlier about like why you think Alexander Payne, like, you know, hasn't really continued to like be talked about or had a career you thought he would at this point. I think part of it is because people don't care about that. Like, you know, I love the show Succession too, but like so much is like, what can we see the ultimate rich do? What is the like coolest looking thing we can see? What is White Lotus? Show me that. Yeah. No one yeah. wants to see a pullout and, you know, a divorcee's uh, mom's apartment. Yeah. And as someone who went on so many, like, family vacation road trips. Like, yes. Th- like this, the motel and the area they're in, I've mm-hmm. seen that a hundred times. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, actually. I think that his career is proof that people do want to see it. Because every movie he's made that is like that has been successful at least modestly commercially successful and all critically successful. Like about Schmidt, um, sideways. About Schmidt's great. Sideways, which is actually set in California, but it, it's like it's like the real California that most people live in. Right. Exactly. I guess, right. Like, uh, I guess. And well, yeah, they can't afford a fancy hotel, and yeah, they're going on wine trips, but the only reason they can afford it is because Miles steals much responsible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, obviously, about Schmidt and Nebraska, both set in most, most either entirely in or most of the movie in Nebraska, right? Uh huh. And yeah. all of them did very, very well. And 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 I think that the reason maybe that they don't have legs is that the people that are get that get paid to like write about and talk about movies aren't from those places. Hmm. And the fact that they all did did well is proof that people want to see it. But the proof that the 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 fact that it doesn't sort of have um, I don't and I don't even know if this is true. I guess like in, in like the sound and sense way of the world, like the elite critical circles where we're talking about like putting them in the canon or what i just mean like i i mean like film twitter world i guess is what i'm thinking i I think the real heads like still talk about about alexander payne a little bit but i i don't know i i i guess part of it is that even in in film twitter world where are most of those people from yeah new york yeah, that's true. And, and I mean, and I haven't seen what, downsizing it, or the holdovers or whatever. Yeah, do, downsizing like. obviously, like, but effort, man, and and that's what that's what sucks is because like, almost every director has like that movie where the the budget sure. went up and things got more complicated and the stars got, although he's always had pretty famous people and, and yeah. then it didn't work and maybe his next movie, which apparently maybe is actually maybe he's already done filming. I don't know. We'll see. That's the holdovers, right? That's and that's got Paul Giamatti in it. Yeah, it says okay. it's in post production. So okay. hopefully it finds a distributor, but I don't know. The market is so weird for movies. Bleak like now, yeah, it's so bleak. bleak. The market for this type of mid tier adult, not like porno adult, but adult movie. I, I guess right. If we're just talking about Alexander Payne, and I, I think like this movie, I think all of his movies are a good example of this, but this one is maybe the best. Is where like he's he's the chad and uh and woody allen is the virgin like miles is not all that different from a woody allen character no not at all but the difference is miles is a real person and uh and all of the woody allen characters are just like fake people uh like like just just totally unrelatable characters that give him like one more opportunity to do like the oj simpson if i did it uh (laughs) on screen right and and i think like ultimately hopefully 
in terms of sort of that like pseudo intellectual like flawed neurotic male character alexander payne does that way better than woody allen ever did because woody allen like his characters aren't real people like i mean i know they're real people in a very small area of the world but uh and i was gonna say in fairness in fairness and woody allen is you know uh elitist new york characters generally yeah so the so I mean I I I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I do think the comparison is a little off because well, I, but, but I I think that the 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 neuroticism of Miles reminds me of a Woody Allen character. Yeah, um, yeah, and, I see like, that. Not as smart as they think that they are. Pretentious. Mm-hmm. Um, they they incredibly they, depressed they, at their core. Depressed at their core, they they desperately want to behave and like an elite, but they there's a hollowness to I mean it. I think that's a that's a perfect thing too in this movie that fall, that I, I I see more of it more of it now obviously it's always existed but like Miles wants not only does he want to be an author but you know this whole wine world that he's in this whole he he has a love for a thing that he doesn't really have the money to have right like his yeah. his hobby he can't afford and you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's like a fascinating hobby for someone who's like, the, and, and and we go back to like the divorce. Probably at that point it was an easier hobby to have. They had two incomes. They she loved wine too. We got to do it, and now that crumbles, and he still wants to keep this. You know, he's a wine guy, and he can't even yeah. afford to continue doing it. I, I guess yeah. And, and I guess to 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 finish my point from earlier, Rob. For some reason, you saying that helped clarify it for me. It is. Um, Woody Allen's losers, there's a desperate desire for them, for Woody Allen wants them to be loved. Whereas Alexander Payne is just like, these are, this is a loser. These are real people, warts and all. Um, and I don't care if you love them or not. What I hmm. care about is that they're authentic and true to life. Whereas Woody Allen is basically putting these different, vi- either literally it's him or it's a person playing him. And he's like, look at look at how awful my behavior is, and you should love me anyway. Um, yeah. And obviously, I'm putting some of the off screen stuff. I say that's this but, is the but, thing but, but, about but Woody Allen. But I, but I think in Woody Allen's case, it's 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 fair to do that. I just think all of his movies are just like murder confessions over and over again. I mean, I mean he's he's forever been tainted, and I'm pro- I'm never gonna watch a Woody Allen movie again. And it you know he's a bad person probably took me longer to like realize that um but uh, so here's i think we will let uh an all-time king have the last word on woody allen which is orson wells oh yeah it's perfect uh this is uh a great uh he says i hate woody allen physically i dislike that kind of man he is the chaplain disease that particular combo of arrogance and timidity tets my, sets my teeth on edge like all people with timid personalities, his arrogance is unlimited. Anybody who speaks quietly and shrivels up in company is unbelievably arrogant. He acts shy, but he loves himself. A very tense situation. It's people like me who have to carry on and pretend to be modest. To me, it's the most embarrassing thing in the world. A man who presents himself at his worst to get laughs in order to free himself from his hangups. Everything he does on the screen is therapeutic. That's uh, pretty Got damning. Him. Yeah, he's right, and and I I think that that's what makes Alexander Payne si- similar but superior to him is that 
he in in all of his good movies and most of them almost all of them are very good or better is they they are flawed uh flawed characters with significant hang-ups but they are i think largely like nice at their core and trying their best um and i whether it's a about schmidt or uh, it's been too long since i've seen citizen ruth i think that's kind of a different sort of movie i mean i think he clearly has in my mind paints clearly has like four greats with election about schmidt sideways in nebraska and i think the descendants yeah. is really really good too um and i'd I have to revisit it i didn't love descendants when i saw it i revisited it a few weeks ago and i thought it was really good and and i think that that's another another great example of just like building your film around a character that has to realize that they're like in that case he finds out that his wife is in who is in a coma like was having an affair and and he just has to kind of over the course of this film like come to terms with the fact that his life is (laughs) kind of like miles like just like not that great not that special not that interesting and figure out what he's going to do with that the weird thing is that he's kind of a well-off guy in hawaii in that one right like an attorney but th- that's he? the wrinkle is because well he's an attorney but he he also his family owns a bunch of land because he's his yeah, great right. grandmother or something was indigenous and royal rent and hawaiian royalty and i i think I, I think that that movie is really good too and i, I think okay. it's kind of underappreciated um, so yeah, I, as Midwestern guys, I think I just thought we should take a moment to celebrate like one of the few filmmakers that kind of nails Middle America, even though the movie we're talking about is Coastal California. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I like I said, it it warms me every time. And there's just like a you know Maya's place and Stephanie's place in this. Like everything just feels like it almost feels like Alexander Pan Payne just knocked on a random person's door and was like, can we use this for a couple of days? Yeah. You don't need to touch it's anything. Not- We're just going to like use your place and film into it. Like it, it feels so realistic and lived in. I think you said you'd been to a lot of them as well, but I've been to a lot of cami households in my life. A lot, like a lot of my friends and just growing up and, you know, it doesn't happen as much now, but just that type of like, <sighs> Oh, Cammy, the the woman, the, the waitress. The, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm for sure, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. The when he goes around the back and there's just all the junk out there, I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, been there. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Nebraska does this really, really well too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, not uh, the house is a, but also b the way that like families when they get together interact, where like we're bound together by family, but we really have nothing to say to one another. Yeah. Right. Um, there's all these scenes that are just so incredible. With, uh, in them. I also love how it's never judged in the movies either. Um, like, it's so not it's a very, joke. It's, it's not a punchline. It's not a, it's not like, Oh look, it's just like, this is a home where people live. And this is what it's like in a home yeah. that people live. I don't know. I just appreciate it a lot. Um, Yeah. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for his next project, especially with Paul Giamatti in it. I didn't know that till today. Well, should we uh, should we call it? Yeah, let's call it. What are we? Uh, Midnight Boys approved easily. Oh yeah. Oh um, for sure. Oh, so I did think of one thing 
that this movie did have a lasting effect on it. I almost forgot to mention this. The it's wine industry. The Merlot it, thing. It tanked Merlot for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and and Pinot Noir like became like Pino, a bigger Pino deal. Pinot Noir too. became huge, which kind of like it's I, again, I'm not a wine guy, but I remember hearing about this and I looked at today like it had it kind of was like a decade or more until like Merlot kind of rebounded. And so uh oddly that might be its biggest legacy in some ways. Yeah, I um and and I did you add this in Duff, the what type of guy are you? Oh yeah, Maybe we yeah. could do this every week, but we'll just say a yay or make it a yay or nay thing. So in this case like um we got a wine guy. Like I think that's a that's a midlife thing is just to dive into hobbies. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe more passionately. Um, so, are you guys? Would you guys consider yourselves wine guys? Like, do you, could you see yourself like be, that becoming your middle aged obsession? No, uh, no. I like wine, but like the idea of like knowing much about it, no. E- even if I drank one, I don't think I could be like. Uh, part of me is like, oh, my palate isn't as sophisticated or isn't sophisticated enough, but also part of me is like, these guys are all just joking themselves. To, to a, to a, to a, to a <laughs> so like the sniffing and like, mm, I smell cantaloupe. You don't, yeah, you don't buy yeah, that. Oh, yeah. I smell freshly cut grass. Like, you know, I'm I'm not saying that they're, you know, that all wines are the same or something like that, but you know, there, there are definitely people where you look at them, it's like, you're just making a good percentage of this up. You don't smell anything. <laughs> you are, you know, uh, to be... You read fi- the bottle before you started saying what you <laughs> yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. You, you looked this up online so you knew what to say as we went yeah. to this tasting. Yeah, it does feel that way. Yeah, I can see that. Have you been um, to a wine tasting before, Duff? Huh? Have you been to a wine tasting before? Uh, Not a wine tasting, no. I, I would like to go uh, to a, like have a like wine trip though even though i'm not a wine guy yeah it looks fun yeah looks fun yeah i Um, i I, I love wine uh i but i i never ever in my life want to talk about it the way miles does oh Uh, yeah like yeah and like i'm never gonna although it's really sweet when he gives off the big thing about why he likes pinot noir so much yeah that's a great monologue yeah and then uh what's cool about the movie is then they let maya like totally come over the top yeah, and they yeah. get Virginia Madison, Madison that moment. Um, but all, uh, like, I just mean like, like where he's just be super pretentious during the tastings and stuff. Like that's that's oh, yeah. never gonna be me. I'm always gonna be more like Jack. Like even when I go um, to a winery, and I, I've been, I, I've never done like the full like California winery experience. But you know, I'll, if I'm on vacation and there's a winery nearby, whether it's here in Wisconsin or elsewhere. I like to go and see what they what they got. I'm always gonna be like Jack if I don't like it. Oh I'm yeah, s- I'm still a Wisconsin uh, boy. I'm still gonna be like, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah pretty good. It's, it's, it's not cherry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's you I, know, I'm, a great I'm gonna, pot, glass of wine. I love it, man. I'm gonna be like Trump and Diet Coke. Like whatever, I'll keep drinking that garbage. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about next week? Jack? Yeah, okay. So um, next week, let's let's talk about the ladies a little bit, and who better qualified over. than the three of us? Um, Who better qualified than to talk about Ronald Reagan's wife than us? Yeah, so I want to talk. We're going to talk about. And, not, and I, and not, I guess, not the one you're thinking of. Though. No, different one. Yeah. yeah Good point. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about All That Heaven Allows and uh, a Douglas Sirk film um, that is new to me. 
Um, I know you guys I'm, have both seen it. Right? Can't wait to hear what you think about this yeah. movie. I have no idea what you're gonna think. Well, I, I, I go anywhere. And and why? I I have I did watch it already, but I'm not. Oh, gonna, you did? Okay. I'm gonna, well, I I don't like to like pick to lock in a movie in a season before I've seen it, but uh, Got I it. will say. Uh, the reason that I was you, you guys mentioned it and why I'm interested is is I think it's a good follow up to Miles because mm-hmm. it it is about it explores like is there is there a second chapter in life like is there it, as you approach middle middle age whether whatever your romantic position is like um, it kind of explores trying out love one more time. And yeah. I think that that's essential in a season about midlife crises. Look, if you got hunky Rock Hudson as your gardener, yeah, like, why not? <laughs> yeah, and I've always been interested in it because I really love. Um, um, oh God, that's embarrassing! I just said I loved it, and I can't remember the name. Uh, it has the word heaven in it. Also, the Todd Haynes movie. Uh, oh, with oh, far from so far from heaven. Far from heaven. Yes, far from which heaven, I yeah. this that that one has pulls a lot from this movie. Yeah. So, yes. Um, yes. And to be fair, like all these titles don't really have oh, yeah. anything to do. Like, what's God? What's the one with alcoholic Robert Stack in it? Oh God, I love that movie. Um, but like written again, on the wind, written, written on the wind. Yeah, like uh, all these titles are like are, they sound like poems or something. And written on the wind is just horny, drunken hotness. <laughs> yeah, that movie is that movie is sultry. So yeah, that, as a request, uh, Duff as our Hollywood historian. Mm-hmm. Not that Rob doesn't know his stuff, but just I know you really, really love to dig into this. Can you give us some Rock Hudson content in that episode? Oh, boy. Because isn't I'm there sure. a lot of Rock Hudson stories? I mean, just his life is fascinating. Uh, and there's uh, there actually is a new documentary out. I don't know if it's supposed to be good or not. But, um, you know, uh, very famously a huge leading man in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and then later on, we found out was uh, closeted uh, homosexual, mm-hmm. and one of the first uh, high, maybe the first, I don't know, like big, big uh, AIDS cases to make news uh, from someone who, I mean, Rock Hudson was a dude like the greatest generation was like, oh, that's a man's man, right? And yeah. then in the mid '80s, it turned out he was, uh, I don't know if he was bisexual or. Uh, just closeted but yeah he was one of the first really famous AIDS casualties so mm-hmm. well and I mean and there's just yeah there's tons of stuff about him yeah so if you could if you wouldn't mind I'd love to hear more about him um, because I think I think the reason I brought it up is I think part of properly handing a midlife crisis the midlife I guess it doesn't have to be a crisis but I think for all of us it's at least a moment of facing facts right yeah mm-hmm. and i think that that's he's an interesting case study in, in, a, in a in a person that never really was given that opportunity to be his authentic self and i kind of think that's the only way to get to the other side of midlife hap, in a happy healthy way is if you're not doing it by now <laughs> yeah that's 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 pretty bleak if you're, you're not your although in the movie we're going to talk about he is uh he so the basic premise is that uh, wait, what's what's we should wait till next week. Yeah, we'll 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 talk uh, more yeah, about yeah, it next yeah. week. I just okay. kind of as a yeah. teaser, I, I just hoping I, that's all yep. I wanted to say is I was hoping. I'm sure we'll some, have some good uh, Rock Hudson, Jane Wyman talk next week. Awesome. Yeah, so for that's, sure. That's We're gonna break week, everyone's and, uh, Wyman next week. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, going forward, uh, as we're recording here in middle midsummer, and I think hopefully these will be coming out, I don't know, I think we could, you're hopefully hearing this in August, unless we've really. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? We sometimes do. We're not gonna. Okay. We're middle aged now. We're fine. Yeah. We got it Mid- all figured out. Midsummer is a quarter life crisis movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's an interesting. Yeah, that'd be an interesting spinoff. Okay. Anyways, um, so thanks, guys. I, I hope you had fun talking about our first midlife crisis movie. Yeah, absolutely. And I and, audience, uh, I hope you enjoyed it too. And you can go to Patreon.com/slash The Midnight Boys, and we have forty-five more episodes on there. So plenty of content from us. If the one hundred wasn't enough, can I build on your your plug a little bit? Yeah. Um. So, listen. You want to stand up like Miles? <laughs> Tell your friends about our Patreon. <laughs> we got to get so up. We got to get up to like uh, I don't know who are the Patreon like Titans. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, who cares? Anyways, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, but anyways, yeah. If we don't get to uh, 2,000 patrons by the end of the season, then um, I'm gonna run into a wine uh, a vineyard with a full bottle of wine while Dalton <laughs> Robert chasing me. <laughs> 